different people. Now, I don't preach this for doctrine, but uh, I do think we have some some scriptural indication. But I've heard various testimonies of people who've been to heaven, and they say they have church in heaven. I mean, if you ever heard Jesse Duplantis tell his testimony, he said that he went to a church service and Jesus was preaching and Jesus threw down preaching. I mean, he, 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 was, he was preaching. And he said, you know, Jesse Duplantis was, was, was talking about the closer the people, access that people had to the throne were dependent upon their word level. And there were some people who had to go back and take classes. And so uh, that gives me an idea that this preaching isn't just for this time at this place, but uh, preaching of the word, the word of God is something we will be feeding on for eternity because we're, we're born of the word. We're built of the word. Amen. So developing spiritual development is something that we should desire. And we see it here in Ephesians chapter 4 an emphasis placed on that development. I want to begin in verse, um, let's begin in verse 11 actually. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So now we see what we commonly refer to as the five-fold ministry offices. Some people refer to them as the five ministry gifts. But they are specific offices. And when I say office, they come complete with equipment in the office. It is an office that a man or woman would stand in spiritually. It is a a spiritual empowerment for that person to operate from. So there are people who are hired, developed in the pastor's office. My pastor stands in a, a, a potential of the pastor's office because of his decades of operating out of that office, he stands in a higher capacity to minister from that office. It's not just because of the years that he stood in the office, but his willingness to become proficient in that office. He can say things and the, the manifested anointing on what he says brings such a stability, such a correction in love, such a, a, a security to the hearer. That's not just from the person as, as the natural side, but that's because of how he has learned to operate from that office and he's speaking out of that office even to the point that now he's pastoring our state. He's ministering from that office. He has never left the office even though he's no longer pastoring in the, in the geographical place that he was pastoring, uh, the, the church that he uh, transitioned, but he's still in the office ministering from that office. And that's why when he speaks, Pastor Caldwell can bring such a, a solid word and a security to our lives. Amen? That's, that's, again, not because of just years, because I've seen people who have, be, have had the title pastor and been in that role of a pastor for 30 years, but they've never grown in that capacity, in the potential of that office. So we can see that there are, are different uh, uh, potentials based on a person's diligence to develop in that office. Do you see that? 
apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is the plan of God. Jesus has given to the church these gifts, these offices for specific purposes. You know, when Jesus stood up and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, and then he began to list the purpose of the anointing. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him for a reason, for a specific purpose. And those purposes outlined there in Luke chapter 4 were the of Jesus' assignment on the earth. Amen? In his, in his ministry. When we see this, we see this is the mark of why the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers are positioned here in the planet earth today, in the body of Christ today. What are they here for? Are they here just to, just to have the title before their name? No, there are assignments for these offices. Collectively, the assignment is for the perfecting of the saints. Perfect in today's society means something different than this word perfecting means in the Bible. So we need to translate and meditate, okay? We need to know what this means. Perfecting means maturing. It means developing. In the original language, it means taking from the beginning of the process and carrying it to completion. From the beginning of the process and carrying it through to completion. So we know in the natural body, a natural, when a baby is born, they have all of their bones, they have all of their vital organs, but they will grow from babyhood to adulthood. And during that time, their bones will grow, their organs will grow, their mind will develop. They will, they will go from one process, babyhood, to, to different stages of development throughout their childhood until they come to adolescence, until they come to adulthood. And that brings that whole process. And so the word perfecting would be describing that process from the beginning through every different stage of development and learning and education and strengthening Till we come into a fullness. The perfecting of the saints. So according to the scripture, that's the reason for the fivefold ministry to help the saints mature. To help the saints develop. So that tells us that every one of us are in a stage of development. We are the saints and we must develop. We've got to develop spiritually and to do that, we're going to have to position ourselves in the place where the fivefold ministry is designed to operate. Amen? And primarily, the saints receive from the pastor's office. Not only, but more than most, what you're going to receive from the pastor is the shepherd of the sheep. The pastor is the feeder of the sheep. It is the office of the pastor equipped to give you the spiritual food that's going to help you grow on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. And so uh, this uh, perfecting is a maturing, a developing. And then it says for the work of the ministry. This is the reason we are developing. 
This is the reason we are being perfected or being matured so that when God positions us to do something for Him in the kingdom, whether it's behind a pulpit or at the front door or behind a camera, it's the work of the ministry. It's the work of the ministry. And we want spiritual people doing the work of the ministry. We want mature people doing the work of the ministry. Why? Because we're representing Him. Because the anointing is not just for behind the pulpit. We want the anointing on the parking lot team so that when they step out of their car in the parking lot, the power of God, and there's someone there with a holy handshake, a welcome, glory to God, welcome to Faith Builders today. We're so glad to see you. Amen? When they enter in, you know, uh, one thing that we've learned over the years is that a newcomer encounters a lot before they ever hear the sermon. Before they ever get to the sermon, they've already encountered so many different impressions. First impressions in the parking lot. First impressions at the front door. First impressions when they take their children to children's ministry. First impressions when the usher helps them to their seat. All of these things have affected that newcomer before the, before the pastor ever gets the opportunity to preach. <laughs> Amen. So we want the Holy Spirit to be moving in all of those different areas to be influencing so that when we, when we speak to someone, we're not speaking out of the argument we had with our, our spouse in the car on the way to church, but instead we've got, we've got some peace to offer. Amen? And how does that come about? It comes about because we have the maturity in our life so that we're spiritual at the front door. And we're spiritual behind the camera. And we're spiritual wherever we are. We are supplied and ready to minister. Amen? Amen. So for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Edifying is another word that shows us this emphasis. Edifying of the body of Christ. Edifying is a strengthening. Edifying is a building up. Edifying is a, is a construction word. To, to, if, you, if you need to fortify a building, you, you, there's some structure that needs to be added to it to fortify it so that it's not shaky, so that it's not wobbly, so that it has a stable uh, presentation. And that's what God needs in our life, that the body of Christ is strengthened and built up and structured with, from within in the spirit, the spiritual structure till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, again, a mature, a well-developed, a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children. So do you see, again, this is talking about moving from one stage of development to another. So this provision of the fivefold ministry gift for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, so that we are not children tossed around with every wind of doctrine, but instead we are stable. Amen? And then verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up 
into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Speaking the truth in love, we, the truth is the word. Thy word is truth, John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. And so speaking the truth of the word of God in love, we are growing, maturing, developing in Christ. Amen? In, so that we are the body of Christ and He is our head. Amen. Let's look at Colossians 1.28. Colossians 1 verse 28, Whom we preach, warning every man, speaking of Jesus, we preach Jesus, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Mature, mature, that we may present. So as your pastor, my desire is to help you grow. Amen. I'm not here to make you feel good. Amen. I want you to feel good, but that's not my job. If, if helping you grow might not feel good, I'll have to give away one for the other. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forego the feel good if I can help you grow. Amen? Amen? So this presenting every man developed, every believer developed, every believer mature in Christ Jesus. That's our desire, that we can present you mature. Colossians 4 and verse 12. This is uh, speaking of Ephaphras, which is one of you, a servant of Christ. It says he salutes you, but I want to see a specific thing that he prayed for them. He prayed, he salutes you always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you might stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So this man, Ephaphras, was one who was praying for this church in Thessalonica. And as the Apostle Paul writes this letter to the church in Thessalonica, he says, Ephaphras sends, says hello to you. He's always praying this for you. He's always laboring fervently for you in prayer. Notice this, that you may stand mature, that you may stand well-developed and complete in all the will of God. That's vital for us to pray for each other. Amen. Not just for ourselves. We should pray that for ourselves. Father, I want to stand perfect, mature, developed, and in, in complete in all of the will of God. But... The development of those around you affects you. Yeah, amen. That we, we want all of us to grow. We want to have a desire for our fellow brother and sister to grow in Christ. And so bringing this to the Lord in prayer and praying for that completeness in the will of God and praying for that development that they can grow because as people grow, it helps their marriage. It helps their finances. It helps their health. Every aspect of our life is affected to our spiritual growth. I remember when Pastor and I were first married, and we referred to a couple of those years of the first beginning of our marriage as the Ice Age. Because there would be arguments, and I would, I would be the kind of person that would pout for two weeks. If you, if, if, and so it was cold in the house for two weeks. He would come in, and I would say, hmm. You know, and going to church, you know, I was still in church and reading my Bible, but I was so fleshly. I was so carnal in my ability to deal with that argument. 
And, and uh, he also had a lot to learn. You'll hear, I'm not saying anything he hasn't already said, but uh, his anger was something he would get angry. And I would go lock myself in the bathroom because in my, the, the, my, my late husband, when he got angry, he would, he would raise his voice about once and then he would start throwing punches. And so when the voice went up, I locked myself away. And so pastor was just used to being in, 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 in raised around, he said, in the Steele family, not necessarily his dad, but in the, the culture of their family, whoever was the loudest was the most right. And so he, would, he raised his voice, and I locked myself away. And we, we laugh about it today, but it wasn't funny when it happened. He got down on his hands and knees and shouted under the door. arguing with me and I was locked in behind the bathroom door because I was afraid he was going to hit me and he he never has hit me but it was something that my late husband had done so I was expecting that and so if a person were to ask me what helped y'all change what was the what was the major component that brought you to the place where your marriage is today because I think I have a marriage made in heaven. I, I, there are, we have such a, a peace and a joy and a love in our home and it truly is something that God has done. But if I were to look back and, and try to pinpoint the major component, we both grew spiritually. Amen. We matured because we were both very uh, quick uh, we, 1 Corinthians 13 started becoming real to me. We began to put the word to work, and as we grew, our marriage increased and got better as we grew spiritually. And so I know it has helped us with our finances, just growing to be able to have the wisdom to make the right financial decisions because a lot of my financial issue in the beginning was my lack of knowledge and my spending based on emotions. Well, if we're not, not out of wisdom, but out of emotion. And so there were, every area of my life has been bettered by growing up and maturing as a, as a believer. And so this presenting someone mature, this praying even for yourself and for your fellow believer that, you may, that they may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God is vital because it's something that as we desire and we voice that desire in prayer, it opens the door for God to move in that situation to help that maturity come to pass. I want to talk about some stages of maturity I've kind of referenced it in our example, but let's look at 1 Peter 1 and see it in the Word. 1 Peter 1, 22. Praise God. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22, and I'm going to read down through 2, 2 chapter 2, verse 2. Uh, it, beginning in verse 22, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren. So let's kind of put that in some everyday language. Seeing that you have cleansed 
your mind, your will, and your emotion by acting on and obeying the Word with that prompting of the Holy Spirit so that you've come to a place of, of uh, sincere and genuine love of the brethren. Unfeigned means it's not fake. So sincere and genuine love of the brethren. So what got us to that point? We were cleansing our mind and our will and emotions by acting on the Word. By acting on the Word. Amen? By obeying the truth as the Holy Spirit also leading us so that we come to this point of sincere love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. That's a New Testament instruction for us. See to that. See to that, that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of, in, uh, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. So we're born by the word, which lives and abides forever. For all flesh is as grass, all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower thereof falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, or because of this, lay aside, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Okay, so he said, you cleanse your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions by acting on the word. Or you have sincere love and see to it, you act out that love. That you then he's gone through 23 to indicate we're born of the word that's eternal. It endures forever. So what we are born again in our spirit by is the eternal word of God. And that eternal word of God is continually going to motivate us to grow and feed us to grow. And then he said, that's why you need to lay aside the malice, the guile, the hypocrisy, the envy, and the evil speaking. And it's in the Bible to the believer, right? It's in the Bible to the believer. I needed that, you know, that evil speaking. It was some arguing because what are the words we were using were not kind words, right? So he's talking about laying aside activities that your flesh can, conducts, laying aside things that your flesh would like to do. Your flesh, everybody's flesh has that tendency to, uh, to want to criticize. Everybody's flesh has that tendency to want to compare and see how they're not doing what I'm doing right. Right? Everybody's, so that's a flesh tendency. It's something that the flesh acts on, but my spirit never wants to do that. My born again spirit never wants to do that. Why? Because my born again spirit is born of love. It's the life of God in me. And so if I'll yield to the tendency of my born-again spirit, I won't yield to the tendency of the flesh. So he says, lay those things aside. Whose responsibility is that? 
That's ours. We are to lay those things aside. God can't lay them aside for us. Jesus can't lay them aside for us. There's not an angel that's going to come lay it aside for you. He says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So a desire for the word with the intent to grow. You know, the Bible talks about in the last days that people are going to heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They're going to, they're going to collect people who, want, who are going to say things they want to hear or people who are going to tell them something that's new and deep and weird and woo, woo, did you hear that? Tell me about the horsemen of the apocalypse and tell me about this and tell me about that. Well, it, it, the, 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 the desire for the word needs to be so that I am equipped and growing and mature in God. There's, there's definitely, it's vital for us to know about revelation, but there are some people that first need to know how to operate in victory over their anger, yeah. over their uh, uh, keeping their mind on the things of God, yeah. not allowing their mind to go wild. And so there are a, a stages at which we need to... Uh, uh, Give our emphasis and not just try to gain information for the sake of information. Not just be wanting to listen to something just because it's new and I've never heard and that sounds so deep and that's so far out there and now I know who the Antichrist is. And the, well, but do you know how to walk in victory over your tongue? Can you keep your tongue under control? Is your tongue walking in love? Amen? And so uh, there are... Our, the desire to grow needs to be the intent. I'm coming to the Word because the Word's going to grow. Yeah. It's going to cause me to grow. It's going to help me mature. It's going to show me some light. And not listening to it, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been in services before and I thought, I know somebody who needs that and they're not even here today. <laughs> I need to get them the tape. And why, why am I listening to that sermon with the idea of what you need to hear? <laughs> I need to be listening to the sermon with what do I need to hear out of that? Where does that fall in my life? Amen? Praise God. Desire the Word. Desire the Word like milk so that you can grow with it. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's look at 1 Corinthians, and I want to see an example here in chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul said... And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. Do you think the Apostle Paul knew something he could have said? It wasn't his lack of knowledge that was holding him back from speaking, was it? He said, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. Brethren, Beginning of the verse, brethren, I, brethren, my fellow believers, you born again people, you. I could not speak to you as unto spiritual. I should have been able to speak to you as unto spiritual because you're spiritual. You're born again. You have the capacity to be, to be spiritual. But he said to them, I could not speak to you, but he said, as unto carnal. Or you could say this, but I have to speak to you as unto carnal 
even as unto babes in Christ. Do you notice he put babes in Christ and carnal in the same category? He, he restated carnal and called it babies. He, he's saying a baby in Christ is a carnal Christian. A carnal Christian is a baby in Christ. Right? So that here we have believers in this, in this, not you, them. In this, in this scenario, we have believers who are alive spiritually, but they're still at a stage of development that is limiting what the preacher can preach to them, limiting what revelation the Holy Spirit can flow from the pulpit because of their stage of development, what they can hear. So what comes through the pulpit is going to be dependent upon what those hearers can hear, what stage we're at as believers to receive from the pulpit. It's not just how anointed the, pe- the, the, the preacher is that day. It has a lot to do with where we are. Yeah. Wow. Hallelujah. He said, I could not speak to you as unto spiritual. I have to speak to you as carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For before now you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. So they had been continually being uh, fed the milk of the Word and they still hadn't grown. So that tells me He was providing the opportunity for growth, but they weren't applying what they were hearing. They weren't becoming doers of the word they heard. You remember what He he speaks to us? The Holy Spirit tells us in the book of James that a, a person who is a hearer of the word and not a doer is only deceiving themselves. They're not deceiving anybody else. Everybody else knows they don't have it yet. <laughs> They're only deceiving themselves because they think, I know that. And they have a Christian bobblehead mentality. I know. I know what that scripture is. I know what that verse says. I know. Uh-huh, uh-huh, I know. Knowing is not, not acting on. And so just having the information in the head without putting it into practice in my life, I can know that the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath and still follow my husband through the house to get the last word. And say, I know the Bible says that, but let me tell you. And I'm, we're not done talking till I'm, till I'm done talking. In other words, I have to get the last word. Or, or you have to admit I'm right. Right? So we can know that. But until I become a doer of the word and say a soft answer turns away wrath. A soft answer. Until I become a doer of the word and say, praise the Lord, I love you. And just stop the argument. Just stop the disagreement. Because it's not worth what it's going to cost. The strife is never worth what it does to your life, to your home, to your mind, to your body, to your, 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 your kids. The strife is never worth it. It's much easier just to take what some people call the low road. I tend to call it the high road. Because if you walk in love and you just forgive and say, it's okay, I forgive you, don't worry about it, I, I'm wrong. 
then they'll say, take the low road. I'm humbling myself, but it's going to lift me up higher than the circumstances. So doing the word, they were hearing the word, but somewhere along the way, they weren't allowing it for the, for the milk to produce strong bones. It has to be absorbed correctly into your body. I'm talking about as a baby, that baby, in order for that uh, formula that they're drinking, that milk that they're drinking to profit their body and help their bones and their organs and, and strengthen them, it, they have to be able to absorb it into their body correctly. Well, if you're, if a person, not you, that, uh, that those people here, if they, <laughs> if they were hearing the word and it was just mind content, it was, just, it was just taking up mental real estate, but it never was really getting down and being absorbed in the spirit so that when they had the opportunity, they chose to act on the word instead of doing what they may have done in the past and responding out of their emotions or responding out of their anger, but they decided to turn that anger off and to let the forgiveness of God flow in that situation. If they're not doing that, it's not being absorbed. If we're not acting on the word, so he said, you've got to be not just a hearer of the word, but you've got to be a doer of the word. And so if you're hearing for the intent to do, you hear it different. Before GPS, before GPS, my husband had somewhere that he needed to go. I'm just, I'm really not throwing him under the bus. This just really just kind of fits. Okay. And so... He came to me and he said, he said, how do I get there? I'd been to this location before and he's saying, how do I get there? And so as I am telling him directions, I realize he's not listening with the intent to do this. He's doing, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You better write this down. You better, you better do something that's going to remind you because I'm telling you, you need to turn right on Hardesty and you need to take a left over here and then, and, and, Sure enough, he, this was before the cell phones too. He stopped at the payphone to call and say, where was that second turn I was supposed to make? Because I'm lost and I don't know where. I, and, and so where are you? Okay, you're here. Okay, this is the direction. And so hearing with the intent to do. That's what Deuteronomy 28, if you will hearken diligently. In the original language, it means, the word hearken means hear and do. If you're listening because you know, I'm going to have to do this. If somebody's giving you a recipe or telling you how to do a certain thing, that's a technical thing. And okay, I need to be able to remember this. I'm not going to be able just to keep it all right here. How do I do that? I need to hear it with the intent to do it. I'm going to apply this to my life. I'm going to, I'm going to work that, that device. I'm going to make that recipe. So if I'm hearing you tell me how to do it, then I'm going to hear it differently, even to the point that I'm going to, I'm going to take some notes so I make sure I remember those important ingredients, those amounts. Or I'm going to take some notes so I remember that Bible verse. I might need that one. Right? Right. So hearing with the intent to do. And so we see, he said that he had fed them with milk. And they were hearing it and hearing it. And he said, but even now you're not able to bear any further revelation because 
of this stage that you're at. He said in verse 3, you are yet carnal, and now we are going to have evidences of carnality, symptoms, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Can you show me verse 3 in the Amplified? You walk as men. Well, you're, you're not a natural man or woman. You are not just a man or a woman. If you're a believer, you are born again. So you're spiritual, not natural. The Amplified says, uh, for as long as there are envying, go on to the next page. As long as there are envying, jealousy and wrangling and factions among you, are you not unspiritual and of the flesh, behaving yourself after a human standard and like mere unchanged men. Go back one more to the, that second stage. Unspiritual of the flesh. So we all have flesh. It is not your nature. You don't have two natures. There's no duplex in your heart. You, have, you are a partaker of His divine nature. I hear some of the translations, some of the different versions will use uh, the nature of the flesh and it's talking about the, the tendencies of the flesh, the way the flesh operates. But you as a believer don't have two natures. You have been born again and you are a partaker of the divine nature, but flesh is still resident and it must be crucified. It must be crucified and if you are... If we are yielding to it, we're not crucifying it. If we're giving it place and, and coddling it, we're not crucifying it. If we're allowing it to do anything, we're not crucifying it. So I can't allow it to, to make decisions for me. I can't allow the flesh to have its moment. If you feed it, it just grows. It just gains momentum. So just, if you'll give your attention to feeding your spirit, then your flesh is just going to grow weaker and weaker and weaker. If you'll give your attention to the spirit, but we know here that it says, bring me that back up in the Amplified, you are unspiritual and of the flesh. Well, they didn't have to be. Because they have the capacity to walk out of their spirit. We all, it's a choice we have to make. We have to learn. And, and we are all learning. That's why the, the love command is in the church. Jesus emphasized the way we love each other. I know we need to love the unbelievers and, and them and to show the love of God to them. But we are under a an emphatic command to walk in love with each other because you're blood-bought. Jesus paid a high price for you. And so am I. Every person around you who's born again is valuable to God, a child of God. So the way that we conduct ourselves with each other is of great importance to God. He's got his eye on us, especially as we're dealing with each other. I'm watching you, Kazowski. 
right? I have a toddler. Have mercy. Okay. Unspiritual and of the flesh. Behaving yourself after a human standard like mere unchanged men. So we are changed. We don't have to go by the human standard. We don't have to let the flesh respond for us ever. We don't have to be unspiritual. We can choose to respond to every situation from our spirit, out of our born-again heart, so that we respond out of the fruit of the spirit that's available to us, and that's what makes the difference. And it's, it's something that must be practiced. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 shows us in verse 12 through 14. Hebrews 5, 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and you are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So again, we see believers who had been hearing the word of God long enough that they should be at a stage able to teach it to others. They have, and for you to have sat under the, uh, any, any type of teaching long enough that you come to the place that you know it well enough you could teach it, you've sat under it for a while. You've been hearing that taught enough. When it comes to the place that you can begin to uh, restate it and teach it, it's because you have mastered it. It's because you grasp those thoughts and those uh, um, principles. So he said, the time, there's been enough time passed that you should be at that stage what you're able to teach. But instead, you need that one teach you again. So, I mean, there were things that they may, it, it even gives the idea, because it says you are become such. It gives the idea that they were at one stage and lost what they knew. Let go of what they knew. Is that what Hebrews tells us? That give more earnest heed to the things which you have heard lest at any time you let them slip? Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. Give more earnest heed. He said the things you have heard because it's possible for the things that you have heard that we let them slip. Well, evidently they let them slip. Even the things that they had heard that had taken them to whatever... Uh, elementary level they were in, they had let it slip. And he said, now you are become such, you need to go all the way back to the milk stage. So that's a receiving of the word and then coming to a place where I'm not going to rely on the word, I'm going to rely on my flesh. I'm not going to respond with the word, I'm going to respond out of my anger. I'm not going to respond with the word, I'm going to respond out of how I feel today. I'm going to do what feels good. I'm going to have it my way today. And you've got your Burger King religion going on. My way. That person went from a place of walking in the Word, regressed to the place that now they are totally dominated by their... And when I say dominated, yielded to willingly giving place to what their flesh is telling them to do. 
He says, everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. Ooh-wee. Now, we've done quite extensive study over righteousness. We spent a number of weeks over our being in Christ, our righteousness in Christ. The righteousness that we are in Christ Jesus is not something that we have. It's not something that's measured. It's something that we've been made. We are the righteousness of God. But to walk in that righteousness, you've got to have the Word of God producing faith in who you are in Christ that you can be able to walk out of your spirit as a righteous man or woman and recognize that position that you hold in the family of God, the authority that you have in Jesus' name. It, it, it is a, a walking out that begins with a knowledge of the blood of Jesus and how He has justified you and cleansed you and made you new. All, all of that righteousness is developed by the Word. You are the righteousness of, of God in Christ Jesus from the moment you receive Jesus as Lord. But many people aren't walking in the righteousness they are because they haven't developed a faith in that righteousness that comes from, originates from the Word of God. It is one of the very first things we should be using our faith for. One of the most important things you will always use your faith for. The righteousness which is of faith, Romans chapter 10. The righteousness which is of faith will speak to you and say, do not say in your heart. The righteousness which is of faith. So when we take faith and we build our righteousness, it begins to help us mature to see our place in the kingdom, our responsibility in the kingdom, our purpose in the kingdom, our interactions in the kingdom, how to operate the systems of God. There are very few things you can do without knowing the righteousness you are in Christ. There's very little productivity you can have until you grasp that. So he is telling them everyone that uses milk hasn't even come to the place where they know who they are and they're walking in it. That they recognize the authority that they have. In other words, that is one of the, the basic building blocks to moving from milk to meat. Hallelujah. But strong meat, now we're going to have a contrast because we've seen a lot about what it looks like for those of us who've been on milk, what that milk stage looks like. Now he's going to talk about a different stage. He says, strong meat belongs to them that are of a full age. A full age. This is referring to a coming to completion a maturing and a developing. Strong meat belongs to those that are mature, who are developed. And now we're going to have an emphasis of what that means, an explanation here. Those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Those who by doing the Word, by acting on the Word have trained themselves to know what's good and what's evil. 
By the, the word is the, what's training me, but I have to practice it. I have to put the word to work. I have to, to apply myself to the word. I have to say, I'm not going to let my anger destroy my life and put the word of God on my anger. I'm the one who has to say, I'm not going to let fear rule my life and put the word on that fear. I'm not going to let fear of rejection. I'm not going to hold grudges. Whatever the case may be, I have to choose to take the word of God and apply it to that situation and act on it so that I can become practiced in being a doer of the word. You know, the first time that I had to forgive, ooh, it was hard for me to forgive. I had never done it before, not, not really let it go. I mean, I was skilled in holding on. Holding on to that unforgiveness. Holding on to that grudge. I'm watching you. I got your name written down. Right? I, I'm going to remember that until you come to 1 Corinthians where it says love does not keep record of wrong. I can't even keep record of how they did me wrong. I, I got I to gotta tear that page out and throw it away. I can't keep record of how they did me wrong. The first time I had to forgive, it was so un it was so against the way I had done things before. And we had had a really bad argument. And I was as much to blame if not more to blame. But he had been working the word and so he came down and got on his knees. I was sitting on the couch. He got down on his knees, took me by the hands. I didn't want to look at him. I kept looking my eyes away. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. And he took me by the hands, and I'm trying to pull my hands away because I'm holding on to my grudge. I'm mad, I'm, I'm gonna, and I'm going to be mad for a few weeks, okay? And so uh, he's pulling my hands to him, and he says, I want you to forgive me. And I thought, he's just saying that. And I, I turned and I looked, and he was sincere. He said, please forgive me. And right then I knew, but I, I started this. <laughs> You're not really even to blame for this argument. I started this. And, and so then I'm like, he's like, forgive me. I said, well, but I said, he goes, it doesn't matter. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Forgive me. And I'm sitting there like, you're not wrong. I did this. You're not wrong. I'm just wanting you to tell me I'm right. And so he says, I'm wrong. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And he was so sincere. And, and, and he said, it doesn't matter which of us is right or wrong. I don't want to be in strife with you. Please forgive me. I take full responsibility for this argument. And I ask you to forgive me. He taught me how to forgive by example. And it, it, was, it was definitely something that to me was so different because I thought to protect myself, I had to hold on to that, that hurt. I had to hold on to that unforgiveness and say, you're not going to hurt me anymore like that. And, and that holding on to it was an unforgiveness that exempted me from growth. It stunted my growth. And when I began to learn to forgive, and the first time that I forgave, it was all that I could do to get my emotions to line up with that decision to forgive because my emotions wanted to stay in that I'm holding my ground position. But I just 
decided I'm not going to allow strife to have a place in my home because I, that scripture came up that if you allow strife, it brings it opens the door for uh, uh, every evil work, every evil work. And some of what happened, there were things in my life, destructive things that the enemy did in our, the beginning of our marriage that I recognized how we opened the door in that arguing. It wasn't God. God didn't fail us. It wasn't, it wasn't even, it was just an area where we were fleshly and we had opened the door and strife got in and we didn't even recognize it. And so as we grew, we were shutting doors just by walking in the Spirit. This, this spiritual growth by reason of use, by reason of use, every one of us, we are at different stages. We are at different places in our walk with God. But if you'll just keep being a doer of the Word, if you'll just keep practicing the Word. And you know, the great thing that I found about our Heavenly Father is He doesn't just overwhelm you to change everything at once. He'll bring to you the thing that needs to be changed most right now and help you deal with that and get it under control and, and, and grow beyond that. And then he'll bring you other things because he knows if he brings you everything at once, you're going to say, I'm hopeless. <laughs> There's no hope for me. Look at all this I need to change. But God just loves us, loves us in those areas where we're not matured, those imperfections, those areas we're not matured. And he helps us to grow as long as we're willing to bring our, our uh, doing of the word and put to practice and by reason of use, we will grow and we'll grow from this stage to that stage and from this stage to the next stage until we are able to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands right where you are. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to grow. For the opportunity to grow. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to receive your word that helps us recognize our need to grow and builds in us a desire to grow. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He is the one who has purchased and paid the price to make eternal life available to you. If you have never accepted Jesus and you would say today, Pastor Michelle, I need to be saved. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sin and I need Him to become the Lord of my life. Would you just lift your hand right where you are? Just lift your hand high and say, I want to know Jesus as my Lord. I want to accept Him today as my Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I just want you to, to say this with me. Father, I desire to move forward in my spiritual progress. I desire to grow and mature in the things pertaining to your spirit. Help me, Lord, know what I need to adjust and what word I need to act on.
Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. There is a proficiency and a skill that I desire for every one of my people to walk in. There is a standard and a mark that I have in my heart that I desire for you to reach for. And the stirring of my spirit in your personal time and the stirring of my spirit as you've been seeking my face is a calling, deep calling unto deep, a spiritual calling for a spiritual standard that you would go from glory to glory and from faith to faith, that you would move from the place that you are on up into the greater that I have prepared. Respond to that stirring. Respond. And as you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you today to lay down your your desire to be right it's it's unnecessary when I say your desire to be right, I'm talking about with other people, that other people acknowledge that you're right. We want to have a desire to be right with God. 
but I'm talking about that desire that you know I'm right and that I'm willing to go to whatever length to prove to you I'm right and you're wrong. It's really not that important. As long as you know you're right with God, it, it is really not that important that other people acknowledge whether you are right in what you're saying. Or you're just, just take that because behind that, that demand is pride. Behind that demand is, is a, a force that's coming from the flesh that I'm right and it's just overrated it's not that important to be at peace is more important than to be right to have the peace of God governing your life is more important than what other people think about you you can't control what other people think anyway so don't expend your energy and your spiritual stamina trying to do something that's not that important. Amen? Just guard your peace. Guard your peace. Guard your peace. And husbands and wives, make peace a priority. Do not allow disagreements to have flesh involved in them. You can disagree about something. You, I, I take that back. Pastor corrected me. You can have two differences of opinions about certain things. Disagree means to move away from agreement, and you need agreement in your marriage. You can see things possibly from two different perspectives at times without having to get your flesh involved in the way that you respond to each other. So if you see things one way and your spouse sees things some, some other way, don't allow your flesh to have your mouth. Keep your spirit hooked up to your mouth and speak kind words. Let kind words govern the conversations in your marriage. Because your marriage is holy before God. Not just an agreement between the two of you, not just a covenant between the two of you, your covenant of marriage is, God is involved in that covenant. What God has joined together. God is the center of the marriage, especially in the life of a believer. And so words that are not of the Spirit cause damage. And praise God, He can heal them. God can heal that damage. But... It delays, it causes, it causes obstacles in, in areas you wouldn't even, you would think, how are my finances being affected? Because the strife. Strife will stop up the flow of finances in our life. So before you get in that argument, I'll say it like Pastor Nancy Dufresne says, before you get in that argument, stop and ask yourself, can I afford what this is gonna, this argument's gonna cost? We've got to pay our mortgage, and I don't want my argument, my demand to be right, to hinder something that God wants to do in my life. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I feel like we've had marriage counseling, and, and 
We're growing. We're growing and we're walking in love. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me to your feet? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.